to Between the Bites. My name is Gary Arnold. I am joined today by Tyler Rasmussen. Tyler, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Awesome. Tyler, we've had you here before. We're excited to have you back. Um, Tyler is our Vice President of Cybersecurity here at Executech. And we are here to talk about, of course, cyber-related news uh, and updates. And uh, as always, we've got a kind of a hot item off the press. Just last week, the president signed in a new executive order. Uh, it's got a really long name. Maybe we should read it all here. President signs executive order charting new course to improve the nation's cybersecurity and protect federal government networks. So, Tyler, presidential executive order, what does it all mean? Give us the high level. What is this about? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this is kind of in response to uh, recent events. Uh, there's been several recent high profile breaches, but the most recent being the Colonial Pipeline event, right? By no means am I am I intimating that this is uh, or suggesting this is just purely a response because this looks like it's probably been in the works, um, but it, it was good timing. Um, so it's I don't necessarily think it was reactive, but but it was a good good time to release it. Um, that's my just my opinion. I don't know um, that for a fact or not. Uh, but based on the kind of the, the thought process and the thoroughness that has gone into it, it looks like it probably just wasn't slapped together. Um, basically, what this does, it does several things. Um, one, in my opinion, it um, it kind of highlights the administration's uh, focus on on cybersecurity, or at least they they want to put a, more attention on cybersecurity. They understand the the importance of it, or or at least they want to highlight that they understand the importance of it, which is I think a good thing you know, whatever your political persuasion is, I think that's a good thing for our nation. It establishes a couple of things that uh, I think are, you know, really, really important things. They're not, they're quote unquote, simple, but they're not easy things. Um, they're in many cases difficult to implement, but they're simple concepts. So for example, um, some of the things that it talks about is removing barriers to threat information sharing, right? So a lot of times, we saw this after 9-11, right, that the, the different agencies weren't sharing uh, information about the different threats that were out there. And because of that, they didn't have the full picture of, of the, you know, of the risk that was present. And then what happened? You know, a, a big terrorist attack. It, it's the kind of the same, uh, same concept, but between the federal government and private industry and in between the federal government um, agencies. Right. So working to remove um, the barriers to threat information sharing both ways between industry um, or from industry to the government and from the government to industry. Uh, it does do a couple of interesting things. It actually requires uh, information sharing uh, within, I think, three days for, for uh, private sector industries um, to, to re respond and report to the federal government. Now, you know, depending on what you, what, again, what your political persuasion is that may or may, you may or may not be okay with that, that the government's requiring private industry to report that. However, you know, if we think about it just from a securing, just purely from the perspective of securing the federal government, it seems to be a good thing. Right. Um, so I'm not talking about civil liberties or, or rights of corporations or anything like that. I'm just talking about the ability to um, secure the federal government seems to be a good thing. Sorry, just real quick on that, Tyler. Is that, would you say that was not really the case before? 
if you, if you got a breach, were you not required to call up the FBI or report that? No, no, you weren't. Um, you, if you're a public company, you're required to you're required to report it as part of your your um, annual filings to the SEC. Mm. Um, but you're not you were not required to report uh, a breach previously to the federal government. And so now, you know, where it may impact the federal government, or um, you know, it's it's required to report it. Um, which again, from we the people standpoint and in protecting our government is can be a good thing. I say I don't know if it spells it out this specifically, but is there? And I don't know if this would even matter, but is there a threshold of a level of breach or severity of the breach that you would need to hit before you report? Like if if you're a small company and you've only got you know ten thousand or even one thousand uh, credit cards on file or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Is there a minimum number that they don't care about or, or is it just if it happens, you got to report it? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the executive order is pretty it's pretty detailed. So digging into it a little bit here, um, I think it mostly refers to contractors and service providers to the to the federal government mm. um, and sharing that information. Yeah. Wh- where there's private businesses, uh, it's not as much. There's not as much direction here. It doesn't look like. Um, so yeah, it seems to be mostly focused around. Yeah. Like I said, any, any service providers to the federal government or, or people that may have, uh, association with the federal government or federal data or any impact to the security of, of federal government systems. So yeah, just gotcha. a private, private business has nothing to do with the federal <laughs> government. It doesn't, you know, then there's not going to be that same type of requirement. The other thing that uh, it, it does, it goes through a couple more things. It talks about a plan for zero trust and, and cloud architecture. So zero trust is, is a pretty big buzzword in the industry, right? Um, but the concept of zero trust is just that you don't trust anything, not only from outside your network, but also from within your network. You're not explicitly or implicitly trusting anything that is within your network. So everything uh, is going to, uh, basically require re-authentication and sometimes even multi-factor authentication to, to get to things, even when you're on the inside of a network. And the concept is a great concept. It's, it's again, it's, it's a simple thing to understand. It's not easy to put into place. They don't mandate you have to go to a full zero trust architecture right away, but they are saying, you know, let's move towards that and put in put plans in place to, to do that. And also move towards uh, putting things into the cloud. And obviously, uh, government-approved and, and uh, secured clouds, um, or, or yeah, government-approved and restricted clouds. Um, but but yeah, th- what that does is it, it allows you to utilize built-in tools within those those uh, cloud environments to do the the different things that this executive order also is requiring, um, which, which are things like logs and forensics. Um, so being having or creating the capability to collect logs from all your different systems, analyze those logs, feed them into a, a SIM tool or a security information event management tool and get intelligence out of those and then also use those logs for forensics. So that doing that um, or having that capability is, is much more likely if you're in an established cloud environment rather than running your own servers. Tyler, really quick, taking a step back, uh, all of these items we're discussing that are part of this executive order aren't necessarily dictated towards the private sector, saying 
you private businesses need to be this way. It's we as a federal government are going to start doing things at this level. Is that is that the correct way of saying that or looking at that? Correct. Yeah. And there's several federal agencies, you know, that already do these things. But this is just mandating it kind of across the board that this is what everyone is going to be doing. Um, and and yeah, this is it also talks again about um, some requirements for service providers for, uh, to the to the government. Um, right. Not that these things are are. Uh, all of these things are explicitly required. Although, if you look at the uh, if you look at the the compliance frameworks like FedRAMP, for example, um, a lot of these things, if not all of them, are required already um, within that type of a framework. So, but it also talks about enhancing some of that that framework uh, to include these things. So, but yeah, great. Just a private, a, a private corporation or, or a private, uh, you know, small business or medium sized business. It's not mandating you do these things. It's it's more talking about, yeah, the federal government is going to be required to do this across the board. But I guess, Tyler, with that caveat, and you and I talked about this a little bit offline for our audience. Most some of these steps may be uh, um, a little overly thorough. But generally, they're all very good steps that even a small business should consider taking in terms of their layers of cybersecurity. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple more of the items that would be really important for a small business, like multi-factor authentication. Right. Just multi-factor authentication is becoming kind of just a, a basic thing now um, that everyone, yeah, everyone should have in place. What well, doesn't matter the size of your business because passwords get compromised so frequently these days that without multi-factor authentication, you're exposing yourself. Uh, I think it was uh, 45% of all breaches in 2019 occurred via hacking, and 90% of that hacking was due to compromised credentials. Uh, so just a, that, that's a pretty cool statistic that shows how important it is to have multi-factor authentication. Multi-factor authentication is not a silver bullet, but it goes a long way to helping with that. Um, and then... A couple of the other things that are uh, that it, that it outlines, like a playbook for incident response or different scenarios for incident, the security incident response. So each every small to medium sized business should have an incident response plan in place. It doesn't need to be overly complicated, but it should include some specific things, such as this is who's in charge, or this these are the responsibilities in in the event of a of a cybersecurity incident. This is you know. Have we considered um, our insurer? Uh, do we have insurance? And if so, what does the insurer require? You know, a lot of times you're going to have to contact the insurer. Who uh, have we identified? Who the law enforcement agencies are that we're going to contact? Other third parties, such as a forensics provider. Um, and then, how do we report and record these incidents? Um, so, those are some of the things that that the incident response plan would include. And then also, how do we recover from this type of an incident? Um, and some general guidelines around that. There's a couple of other things that I thought were pretty interesting uh, in here. Like, again, something that's just very, very uh, kind of just standard these days is EDR, uh, endpoint detection and response. So traditionally, small and medium-sized businesses have been, you know, always, always done antivirus, right? Well, Antivirus alone by itself is not sufficient these days. 
you really need an, an advanced endpoint agent, which does end, uh, endpoint detection and response. Uh, at Executech, we're partial to um, Sophos Intercept X Advanced uh, does a great job at this. You know, it has anti-ransomware capabilities. Uh, has a you know central dashboard where we can get alerted on things that we're seeing within uh, within endpoints, um, and then we can take action based on that. And that's what this is. That's what an EDR is all about. The other things that I think um, are are maybe a little bit uh, you know advanced in terms of uh, uh, capability or maturity uh, would be a a software supply you know, software supply chain security. So a lot of medium uh, or small and medium sized businesses are not are not creating or developing their own software, so it's not as applicable. But if you are, you should have software supply chain security. Well, actually, let me step back. Every business should have software supply chain security, which means that the software that you procure, you're you're vetting for uh, for its security. Now, I think what this is really coming down to is a response to the Solar Winds uh, incident, right? And so what what really happened at Solar Winds is that they didn't have sufficient controls in place to detect that somebody else was inserting malicious code into code that was ending up in production um, in its production product of Orion, and then that was digitally signed by by Solar Winds and trusted by everybody that had it, including the federal government, Microsoft, you know, even uh, FireEye, uh, the the organization that actually. Uh, identified this in the first place and did research on it. They even had SolarWinds Orion in their environment. What what the cyber what this uh, what this particular um, executive order does is it says you need to have uh, a secure software development lifecycle and you need to make sure that your code is not only thoroughly tested um, from an automated standpoint with like static analysis tools, vulnerability scanners, checking for third-party code that's inserted and whether or not it's vulnerable, but also do a, have a process to, or a procedure to review that code manually, uh, have human eyes on it to make sure that, you know, there's nothing in there that looks suspicious. Now, it's not reasonable to, to do a full review of all the code, but if all those things together and, and a decent review, um, that, will, that will help you get to kind of a, a good process and procedure for secure code review which will then um, give you a lot, a lot better chance of detecting something like this so it doesn't end up in a production product that then gets distributed everywhere and trusted, like in the SolarWinds attack. Again, admittedly a little bit more advanced capability, but important for anybody who's developing software. And then I think the last thing that I wanted to touch on um, was uh, what this really does is it establishes a cyber safety review board, similar or not dissimilar to like the, uh, the NTSB safety review board. So when there's a plane crash, uh, they kind of do a post-mortem, right? And they say, what went wrong? Uh, what was the root cause? And let's make changes as necessary based on uh, the information we learn. And it's a similar concept for cyber, or really big cyber events, right? What went wrong? How can we improve and learn from this? And how can we change? Now, it doesn't mean that change is always quick, right? But at least it's the right, it's a step in the right direction. It's not it's not, uh, or it's acknowledging the problem and it is, um, you know, again, taking the right steps, I think, to, to try to solve it. So in a nutshell, Gary, that's kind of like high level what, what I kind of pulled out of this, uh, out of the executive order. It goes into a lot more detail than that, but that's, that's kind of high level. 
Fantastic, Tyler. This this is great. I think, uh, yeah, this is great information, a great overview. Uh, if you are the type of person that wants to dive in deep, we will have links in the podcast notes to both the summary announcement and the full executive order with all the nitty gritty details. Uh, if that's your cup of tea, if you want to read through all of that. Otherwise, again, thank you, Tyler, for, for summarizing those key points for us. Uh, as always, some great takeaways for, you know, our, our neighborhood friends, businesses and organizations and just the little things that they can do. Um, there are just some really easy little things you can implement that'll help you be a little bit more secure. Yep. I think that's it for today, Tyler. Again, thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll catch everyone uh, next time we talk cyber tech news.